Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama. Welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to continue our study, Romans chapter number 4. We're going to pick up at verse number 20. Romans chapter number 4, uh, verse number 20. And the verse reads, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The understood subject of this verse is Abraham, of course. Uh, Previously, we laid the foundation that he overcame just unbelief and doubt in three primary arenas. And really, it was a victory over the spirit of death, the fear of death, and over death itself as it relates to his body, as it relates to Sarah's womb, as it relates to Isaac being dead. I want to say this as we're we're continuing on and if we're moving forward to understand faith. Uh, you have to realize that to walk in faith, that you have to live a life above natural reasoning and intellect. As a matter of fact, there's. I think it's safe to say that we have to be humble enough to agree that God's word is true because of the integrity of his character, whether we understand the fine details of it coming to pass and how and the mechanics thereof or not. And we have to, as well as when what God has spoken to us exceeds our ability to comprehend with our minds, we have to be just as resolute in our faith and trust God through the power of the Holy Spirit to enlighten our mind and to bring our mind up to par in proper understanding. Okay. And I think that their type that particular dynamic is where we often stumble and struggles, where a lot of people stumble and struggle. Um, we wait for full comprehension or for full understanding to believe when the truth of the matter is is that there will be in most cases, you'll have to believe God and act on this word without fully understanding how things are going to come to pass. So verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was very strong and was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, it's important to, to really understand that in order to remain steadfast or constant in faith, you and I have to be very familiar with the promise of God. Abraham's focus was on the promise of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us, and he writes to Church of Corinth, and he says that for all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. Uh, the promises of God are our lifeline. They are our guarantee uh, to experience the John 10, 10 reality, the life in that more abundantly. These things are given to us and assured to us and guaranteed possessions that you and I possess in in God's promises and God's divine assurance, God's uh, divine token of assurance to us. That's what a promise is. It is God's divine token of assurance 
to those of us. And so it's important that you and I that we become very, very familiar, for lack of a better word, um, zoned out on the promise of God, uh, focused, preoccupied, meditating, uh, resting, thinking on, fully and wholly embracing, visualizing, seeing the promise of God. Because in order to not waver and to not stagger, you have to have something that's guaranteed. And the promises of God are sure. Um, Moses wrote in the book of Numbers that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Have he said it and shall he not do it? Has he spoken and shall he not? God not make it good. So he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So when we enter into unbelief, um, and I want to share this with you when it comes to unbelief, unbelief is a refusal to believe. Okay, it is having the ability to believe. Okay, but choosing to not believe, which which can happen, you know. Um, Thomas told the disciples, except I, you know, see the nail print and put my hand into his side, he said, I will not believe. And so there are times when we set these particular conditions, prerequisites, and we say, unless I see this or unless this happens or unless God tells me that or unless I see this come to pass, I will not believe, okay? And that is not a good thing to possess and a good thing to have. It's, it's better to focus on the promise of God and to remain steadfast in it. I want to deal with this word stagger, stagger not, okay? It says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So unbelief makes us stagger, stumble, falter. Uh, zigzag and detour from the course. Okay, it removes us from an upright and an acceptable forward motion toward the possession of our promise. Unbelief does so. Unbelief is an enemy to our faith. It is an enemy of the promise of God. But most of all, it is an enemy to the choice and the chosen inheritance that God has promised us and God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. So watch out for all unbelief. All unbelief is deadly. The small unbelief, the mediocre unbelief, and the, the you know, the, the, the large unbelief. And so you want to um, really condition your mind and your spirit when it comes to God's word and to, when it comes to God's voice to believe God because of who he is above and beyond your level of understanding how he moves and how he operates or understanding the full mystery of him, you have to first and foremost conclude that God is trustworthy, okay, and that his word and his voice and his spirit can be trusted. Staggered not means to discriminate, okay. The word discriminate means to make an unjust or prejudicial distinction. Again, stagger not means to discriminate, and it also means to make an unjust or prejudicial distinction. 
Now, you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Okay, This is what it means in so many words, that to assess and to conclude an outcome where you don't have the authority to do so is to discriminate. Again, to assess and to make a conclusion, to come to a conclusion about something that you don't have the legal authority to conclude in that matter about is discrimination. Okay. Now, from a biblical standpoint in context of this, to make it relevant to faith and how you and I are called to move and operate by faith, to, to conclude a decision or to make a conclusion about your life independent from the word of God and what God has spoken concerning your life is an actual discrimination of your life. It's a discrimination against the courts of heaven because it is God who has the legal authority and the say-so pertaining to our lives. And so when you and I, when we make conclusions about our life, our lot, our future, our condition, our, our outcome, when we make those conclusions outside of the word of God, outside of the voice of God, outside of he who has the authority, and I'm not going to say the, the last say-so, but the only say-so as it relates to our life and what truly becomes our portion in this life, when we choose to operate outside of what God has spoken, predestined, ordained, and decreed over our life and, and outside whatever promise he has for us, and not being in agreement with that, then we move in a realm of discrimination. Okay, we move in an illegal realm of discrimination. We're being discriminated. Okay, uh, because we're concluding, uh, we're telling God in so many words, Lord, you know what you said is not true. What I say, according to how I feel, or how I comprehend this thing, is the truth. And so he staggered not at the promise of God. He did not discriminate. He did not assess with his own mind and make a conclusion about the outcome of his life because Abraham did not have the authority to do so. God did. And Abraham respected that order and that protocol. As a result of that, function in that way became a haven of safety for Abraham and a realm of security that gave him the ability to not stagger at what God had promised. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but notice verse 20 says, but was strong in faith. Now we see this adjective concerning Abraham's faith, strong. So that means that faith can be, you know, probably weak. Faith can be not absent. Faith can be strong. Faith can be great. We see all these things in the gospel. There's so many times that Jesus told the disciples, how is it that you have no faith? Um, uh, you know, be not weak in faith. We see right here that he was not weak in faith, so we know you can have no faith. You can have weak faith. You can have faith. And then you can have great faith. Because he said, I have not found so great faith 
no, not in all Israel, as in relation to the centurion servant who told him to speak the word only and my servant will be healed. So remember, you guys, we, we established early in this chapter that faith could be sick, faith could be disease, faith could be feeble. Okay? We established that from reading the scripture uh, about Abraham. And as we, as we move on in understanding what the word weak meant, which was feeble, sick, okay, or disease in Romans 4.19 and being not weak in faith, we look down here and we look at strong faith. And we see another word that's describing the health of faith, as if faith is a person, okay? Feeble, weak, diseased, strong, weak, great, or powerful faith. And so the conditions of our faith, it's important that you and I, that we monitor it daily, okay? And that we don't allow our faith to become weak. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the dead in sincerity womb. He staggered at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Here's another key, giving glory to God. This is a proven thing that Abraham did that fed his faith and that continued to strengthen his faith by giving glory to God. Different ways to give glory to God is through our giving is through our praise, is through our worship, is through our gratitude. Okay, it's by um, also uh, giving him the credit um, for things that transpire in our life, um, offering adoration unto him, thanking him advance, thanking him in advance. Okay, thanking him in the here and now for what he has spoken, that he has given you before it comes to pass. And experiencing that joy before you possess it is another form of giving glory to God. Okay, What God has said over your life, echoing it with your faith and through your confession. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we speak. So when you believe what God has spoken, and you speak that over your life, and you speak that out into the atmosphere in agreement, that brings glory to God, and that way you are giving glory to God as well. Okay? And so Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded. And I want to stop right here because... Persuasion, full persuasion, I believe, uh, includes the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. I think that our mind needs to be persuaded, our will needs to be persuaded, our emotions need to be persuaded, and our faith, our spirit needs to be persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded, okay, fully persuaded. Now, when we look at this word fully persuaded, it means to be completely assured or convinced. It also means to carry out fully in evidence. Okay? 
to carry out fully in evidence or to be fully persuaded and to be completely convinced, to be certain, okay, to I like this definition. It means to, as well, to entirely accomplish. So when we look at being fully persuaded, you guys, it is basically saying that when we start out in what the Bible calls faith or what is biblical faith, what it looks like, it looks like being confident in the beginning being fully persuaded when you first begin, being confident when you first start believing. It looks like receiving the end from the beginning, okay? It looks like, according to the definition, believing that you receive it when you pray, okay, when you and I pray. What it does not look like is a joy and a assurance and a confidence that shows up after you experience something, okay, or after things change, after things shift, after things uh, begin to materialize or come into being in, or begin to become registered unto us, ministered unto us, whatever's on the other end of that promise. That's not fully persuaded. Fully persuaded is when you can experience the joy of having it when you don't naturally possess it yet, okay? But you're so convinced that it's yours that the joy and the um, the actions that you would take, okay, if you had received full manifestation of it right then, are the very same actions that you would take and the disposition that you would take while you're still waiting, okay? And so he says, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. As we read this, it's important to note as well that he's still focusing on God's word. Everything about Romans chapter 4 points to one thing, what God spoke, so shall your seed be. And it's amazing because you don't see, when you read the story of Abraham, you don't see a whole lot of dialogue between God and Abraham. You don't see God constantly reminding him. You don't see God repetitively giving him a lot of prophetic experiences and encounters and different kind of uh, emotion builders, stimulators, in order to build and to strengthen his faith. Okay? We don't see that. We see God speaking a word to Abraham. Abraham probably received perhaps two more visitations in that that confirmed that word. But after that, it was up to Abraham to hang on to what he heard God speak with everything that was within him and to become fully persuaded and to believe. Okay? That is the way of faith, you guys. I want to encourage you as well uh, to revisit the promises of God and not to wait so much for emotional builders, stimulators, or something, something, God to do something else to stir you up, 
Because a lot of times when God speaks the initial words to us, and they're always words of life, promises of hope, expected in, good things. When God speaks these things to us, you know, oftentimes we, we're so alive and we're so grateful. A lot of times we come alive at the moment. We're weeping. We're in tears. Uh, uh, we're grateful. We feel his presence. Uh, you know, but so often we let him go. We just let go. We hold on to it for a while, but then we let it go. And when we let, when we let it go, the joy leaves, the peace leaves, the assurance leaves, the confidence leaves, the, co- the comfort leaves, um, the presence of God that we experienced when you first spoke it. We don't feel that anymore. And, and then we say, okay, God, give me another word. God, speak to me again because we want to go back to that place of strong conviction. A lot of times that's not going to happen because God wants you to go back and to revisit the word that he has already spoken and to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Think about raising a child, okay? What child would you want to raise that will only be obedient to things uh, according to the multitude of how many times you told them, okay? I think that we would all want our children to believe that our word is trustworthy. And if we gave them instructions one time, we would want them to know that they could believe that and carry out and execute, and they could expect exactly what we told them. For instance, okay, if you told your child uh, that was at work that you were going to bring them um, some pizza home for dinner, okay, and you told them at 9 a.m., okay, if that child calls you at 945, 10, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12.30, 1 p.m., 1.30, 3 p.m., now you're driving home at 4, you're getting texts and you're getting calls at 5 o'clock. And, and all of this, if your child is wavering and crying and doubting and not, uh, not sure that you're really going to bring that pizza home, uh, you're going to think something is wrong, okay? And But what you're not going to keep doing, you're not going to keep feeding into the fear, the insecurity. You're going to challenge them to believe that when you said that you got off work, you were going to bring that pizza hole, yeah, that's what you're going, you're going to begin to uh, wean your t- child into believing because you realize that, you know, um, allowing them to be accustomed to uh, not believing and constantly asking the same thing is not going to be healthy for them. It's not going to be healthy for their stability, for their focus, for their future, and their ability to move forward in life, okay? I would say this, you guys, that as well, that a large part of God's heart for us is to not have us uh, stressing out over the promises of God because he knows that if we have to stress out over the promises of God and it's been our entire life um, trying to remind him of the promises just to receive something, then we're not going to be able to move forward in life with the bigger mission and with the bigger purpose, which is reconciling the world back to him. So I'm under the persuasion that this, standing on the promises of God thing and receiving the promise of God 
is not as complicated as we made it. Okay, it can't be. We can't. You know, it can't be that. It can't be this hard. Okay, it can't be this thing where daily it it has to. It's supposed to consume our every waking mind, heart, and thoughts. Because if that was so, we wouldn't have the mental focus or the time to walk in our calling and to help people and to bring people closer to Jesus. I believe that the greater root of why we are preoccupied with promises and not receiving them is twofold. I believe it's because of our fear and our insecurity and our lack of unbelief in, number one, that God loves us. But not only is he capable, but he is also willing and he desires to do this for us. And we're not resting in the assurance of his love. And if we are resting in the assurance of his love, the assurance of his love that we're resting in is not the greater love. It's a limited understanding of his love because it's not bringing any peace. Because if we're worried about, if we can't trust, and if we don't believe that God loves us enough to not allow us to be baking bread, to not allow us to be homeless, to not allow us to, um, you know, go without provision, um, you know, God sees our physical condition. God is a healer. God sees my mind. God is a deliverer. God sees my resources. God is a provider. And so we know that God is all of these things, but do we trust in the love of God as a father? And do we believe that he is trustworthy enough that when we cast his care upon him because he cares for us, when we do that, he hears us. And we know we have that petition. You know, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have that petition that we have desired of him, okay? That, that seems like a one, two, three type thing, step thing. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's, that's a one-time thing. And we should be able to move on with life in assurance that God is going to do exactly what he has agreed to do in this word that we have reminded him of according to his promise. And we should be able to move forward um, in life and, and move on with the will of God for our life and moving forward with hope and also with expectation and also in assurance uh, that our ship is not going to sink, but we will go over and we will continue to sail according to the assurance of God's supernatural word and his promise in our lives. But being able to rest in that is one thing. And sometimes the multitude of, of work could be rooted in fear, the multitude of labor, of trying to work up things. But I want to encourage you guys to begin to trust in the integrity of his character, but also in the love that he has for you and know that his love is trustworthy. Okay? And that God is hearing us when we bring these things before him. Okay. So 21, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Why? Because he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. That word imputed, again, meant to reckon, to take into account. It was imputed unto him for righteousness. 
Verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake, whose sake, Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed unto him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. And so, verse 24 is telling us that we are to model exactly what Abraham did to receive exactly what Abraham received. Okay? It was imputed unto him, but it was not written for his sake. It was written for us as well to whom it shall be imputed. Here's the condition. If we believe on him, the raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now, notice verse 24 also describes that our faith has to be in, our faith has to be in God as being, for lack of better words, above the dead or the raiser of the dead. We have to have faith over the spirit of death. Okay. Abraham's body, Sarah's womb, Isaac the promise. And now he tells us that we receive the same thing if we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead. I'll I'll say this and you hear me say this a lot. All fear is rooted in the fear of death. The definition of death means to be separated from life. If you can conquer the fear of death with your faith, as Jesus has already conquered death through his resurrection, Revelation 118, I'm him that liveth and was dead. I'm alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of death and of hell in my hand. So when we, when we can conquer the fear of dying, then we can truly live in the abundant life that Jesus has given. Because, the, 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 you know, one of the greatest detriments of faith is fear. And all fear is rooted in death. And all fear brings bondage and torment. Praise God. But Jesus, verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So it's something about faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, faith in God raising him from the dead, that fuels our faith to overcome every obstacle that comes our way, okay? And so when you're looking for a, a focal point of faith or somewhere to put your faith, put your faith in the resurrection, praise God, in order to receive that assurance, praise God. And then it's easier to see greater manifestations in the everyday promises that we're believing God for and we're trusting God from day to day. In other words, if God can raise him from the dead and if God conquered death, praise God, and then I know that God can do this very thing that I'm asking for him as well, okay? Just as sure as God raised Jesus from the dead, I'm healed. Just as sure as God raised Jesus from the dead, I'm forgiven. Just as sure as God raised Jesus from the dead, I am delivered, okay? I'm saved, I'm whole, or I've received the end of this promise according to his word. Well, God bless you. Thank you for your time. I pray that the word of God brought life, health, strength, and understanding to you. Grace and peace be with you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.